Hello, and welcome to Punching Out. Every week, we're here on Wayo Radio talking about the problems people have with their work, whether it's incompetent bosses or unfair policies, hostile workplaces or dismal paychecks, or anything in between. We want to hear from you. If you'd like to share your work problems with us, email us at punchingoutwayo at gmail.com and let us talk about them. Tune in and punch out. Your boss isn't listening, but we are. Hello and welcome to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, joined today by Noah. Hi, y'all. And Lou. Hey, guys. We're going to talk today a bit about algorithms and the way these weird bits of math are making your work worse and your ability to find work worse. The impetus for the show was an article that was published just this past week in Vice by uh, Nick Kepler. The headline, cost-cutting algorithms are making your job search a living hell. And to get to the uh, gist of the article, quote, companies are increasingly using automated systems to select who gets ahead and who gets eliminated from pools of applicants. For job seekers, this can mean a series of bizarre, time-consuming tasks demanded by companies who have not shown any meaningful consideration of them. Cool. Effectively, it just confirms what I already thought, which is that I hate math. (laughs) Um, What this amounts to in many cases are these weird, like, personality quizzes and um, video interviews where there's not a person on the other end, but there is some sort of AI that is watching your facial expressions and determining from that whether you are a good person. Yeah, it's as as if your suitability for any given job, your aptitude for it, the personality traits that supposedly make you successful at any given job were determined by BuzzFeed. (laughs) Yeah, it's really irritating to me too. Like I'm not going to just say irritating, infuriating. Uh, This whole industry that's popped up around trying to weed out the good hirees from the bad hirees. Because these kinds of personality quizzes have existed in in the industry for at least the past 20, 30 years probably. Um, I remember when I first got hired in retail, I had to take a, like what I ended up calling the are you a psychopath test <laughs> where you have to answer like, oh, uh, do I find it acceptable to uh, steal from my employer or is it is it okay and that kind of thing. Do you think crime is cool? <laughs> <laughs> do I think crime is cool? Right, yeah. Um, and – the, all these kind of bogus ways to to quote quote unquote like figure out and dig down deep, but at the same time, these are the same companies that are saying for an entry level position you need to have three to five ex- years experience and a master's degree because they don't actually want to hire you, but they want to hire you if you're basically a submissive happy person with no other like skill sets. It's this it makes that, no sense. That's for the general employee pool. For the executives they want the total opposite, absolute sociopathic sharks who will stab each other at the drop of a hat. And those people are not getting hired by algorithms. That class of people, mm-hmm. there's still human contact involved in the hiring process, which must be nice. I remember taking one of those tests for a major retail chain and I distinctly remember figuring out about 20 questions in that they were repeating (laughs) and noticing how many times the same question repeated over the course of the test. Now, I will tell you as an educator, that's the kind of thing you're not allowed to do. (laughs) That's considered bad teaching. It is considered good test design though because random error is Uh, Yes, I'm aware. But (laughs) that's why statisticians are mostly bad educators. Um, Fair. But that's one of those things where it's considered bad pedagogy. It's considered a bad way to treat people in general and to give them the values that we want in a good citizenry. And then, but it turns out that when it comes to the hiring process, when it comes to the labor market, when it comes to working for corporations, well, all of that can fly right out the window. And the article describes uh, broadly this technology that gives the uh, term. Applicant Tracking System, ATS. Don't like it. And talks about not only is this like being implemented by employers, but naturally employees are trying to figure out how to work with this, how to Mm -hmm. work in this new reality. Quote, Lynn Williams, a Philadelphia area career advisor, holds a seminar called Beating the Applicant Tracking System. Every time she braces for a wave of anger from the audience. 
I can feel their blood pressure rise when I tell them what they are doing wrong, she said. Hold on, Lou, I think you're familiar with this part of the process because the next paragraph is, their most important task, she tells crowds of job seekers, is to parrot keywords from job descriptions. Mm -hmm. And I seem to recall someone in this room receiving a, the exact same piece of career advice eight years ago? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great, awesome. We've moved so far. Um, continuing, uh, the reason you want to parrot those keywords is because, quote, the most basic elimination function of most ATS software is searching resumes and cover letters for keywords. Many systems can't or don't bother to distinguish synonyms like manager and supervisor. It's the second one. So she says <laughs> to rewrite resumes with each application, mindlessly copying words from the job description. Countless online guides for beating the bots recommend the same. Beating so, the bots. All right. No, I need I to like – I need to – push in because there's so many things that are in bad with it. Just bad. Just bad. Um, that last line you said, Ryan, about how you need to parrot the job posting as much as possible to beat mm -hmm. the bots. Once that gets to an actual human being, and I know because I have done this, I will freely admit that, is if I see something that looks exactly like what the job posting I just put, I'm going to put that right in the garbage because it sounds like you're just trying to say something I want to hear. I'm, yeah, but I'm not going to lie. Right person. I know. No, I'm a you're person. You're a person and you're good at your job. <laughs> right. I, That's the problem. I, I would hope so. But but the, I, so it doesn't actually give you any kind of actual measurement of what that person's going to be, which means that the person that you're hiring, eventually you're going to either say, oh, these great guys are going to be great because the system told me they're going to be great. Or you're going to say, wow, why are all these people like so full of BS that I can't even see straight. Like, what's going on? Like, there's no good solution that's going to come out of this. Second, this whole industry that sprouted up with artificial intelligence and, and everything, it's creating a problem that I'm not going to say doesn't exist, but you're creating a market around a problem that you've created. Because these companies that use this kind of software – what they end up doing is they tell applicants, hey, cool, isn't it so cool how you're going to be able to just apply all in one spot and look in one area for, for all your jobs? It's so convenient for you. How is, cool is that? And then they go to the employers and they say, isn't it awful how many applications you're getting? And, and aren't you just overwhelmed? Wouldn't it be cool if you paid us so that you we could weed through those for you? And then you don't have to do the work. How awesome is that? So they're getting... Uh, traffic from one direction and money from the other. Like it's it's gross. And they've set it up this system just to benefit themselves. Nobody else is getting a good deal out of this. I like the point that they're even taking advantage of hiring managers because of course there was that I guess it's technically a meme going around about how many sites would make you type in your resume essentially piece by piece mm -hmm. and then upload it anyway. Yes. And of course these uh, these places, they go, well, on the one hand, you can do all of that in one place with us. But on the other hand, you also have to do the video interview rigmarole and you have to take the personality exam and blah, 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 blah. So you've got to, to further lose point here. The article says, according to data from the job site Glassdoor, 250 people apply to the average corporate job. Many ATS vendors sell their products on the suggestion that hiring managers are overwhelmed by applicants. When almost half of Americans work low-wage jobs, a good job of any kind will generate a long line of hopefuls, despite the official government unemployment rate being at a 10-year low of 3.5%, which, number one, I wanted to bring up because this is a thing that people have brought up to me repeatedly as evidence that, you know, there's plenty of work for everybody and that it's all, you know, it's all roses. Uh, but second of all, there's this, I think I said this uh, on the last episode I was on, anyone with the title manager, uh, almost anyone anyway, appears to hate doing their job. Like the thing that they were hired for was to hire other people. And the moment somebody comes along and goes, don't you just hate having to hire people? What if we made it easier for you? They jump at the opportunity. I don't know. Maybe that tells you something about the way in which you have construed your reality around your work. And, and it's not just managers who aren't doing their jobs. These systems allow uh, companies to 
not need the work of HR workers. The point is made in this article, quote, obviously in our society, time is money, said Ifeoma Ajunwa, an assistant professor of labor and employment law at Cornell University and author of The Quantified Worker. So if you are asking job applicants to spend so much time on an application, then you are transferring the labor your HR department would be doing to the applicant so that it becomes an ethical issue. You're doing the job that mm -hmm. they're HR people should noted be doing. noted ethical entities corporations <laughs> and Cornell University. Fair. <laughs> uh, yes, it's it's extremely demeaning. I mean, the thing I think the thing that I hated the most about uh, I don't remember if it is in this article specifically, but I think the attitude that I hated the most out of hearing about all of these companies that that do the software is the idea that because an algorithm somehow, uh, because an algorithm is math, right? Because it's scientific. Math is unbiased. Exactly. It's supposed to be objective. And so you had all these, you had all these people who were at pains to say, well, uh, algorithms make us more diverse because they take away the biases of the person who's watching, or they take away the biases that would be inherent in a person watching those video interviews. And that, number one, that would be possibly true if those algorithms were public, but they're not. They're proprietary. They're black boxes. We can't see what goes into them. Number two, we know that unless you take extremely rigorous steps to remove that bias from the equation, the algorithm will be just as bad, if not worse, than a hiring As editor. the people who make it. Yes. Mm. And, and if not worse, because there's no person as a backstop at that right. point. If you really are getting 250 applicants for a certain job and you have a hiring manager who we've already established doesn't want to do their job, they're not going to question if they get a slate of video interviews that's all the same, you know, dead shark stare from and, 250 and people. And they're scored from one to five. And, yeah. you know, this yeah. machine has pumped out a score. Yeah, yeah. it, it rates them on their their uh, uh, assertiveness and their um, supportiveness and their aggression. And and, and it's exactly as, as, I don't even remember which one of you said it. Like, it's like BuzzFeed is doing all the hiring. That was me. <laughs> okay, good job, Noah. Good job. Thank you. Um, it's very pseudosciency. It's pop science. It's gross. And it's it's something specifically because the way that it does it is supposed to be by analyzing your facial expression, any tics, any of that, which uh, that same Cornell University professor <laughs> notes is going to be a problem for people who didn't grow up in American cultural assumptions. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a problem for people who are not neurotypical. There's a whole host of different issues that that brings up. I, as somebody, again, coming from my educational experience, I remember somebody telling me that they used to have trouble at my workplace with Puerto Rican students because they would scold them and the Puerto Rican student would look down. And they would tell them, no, no, you look at me when I'm talking to you. And they were, and to the student, they were saying, no, like this is what I'm doing is what my dad tells me to do. This is supposed to be, you know, respectful. And I remember, and I was standing there going, well, I'm a Puerto Rican myself. And yeah, that is what, that is what I was taught to do culturally. Uh, it's good to know that in a situation like this, people have been judging me this whole time without explaining what the assumption is. Yeah. Because it's an assumption. Why would you know, Right. Yeah, it's in it's the same problem that standardized tests have for college entrance exams. Basically, if you can afford to go to the right schools or the right programs or anything else like that, you can be trained on how to beat the system. If mm -hmm. you go to Cornell, you're going to get experience in your career center about how to beat these stupid things. And uh, to that point, quoting from the article, applicants can use services to help them beat the algorithms like the website JobScan, which will scramble words from a job listing into their customers' resumes for the low price of $49.95 a month. $49.95 a month. Jeez. And there's a point I want to get to here, which is uh, whenever you're measuring, you're using some sort of metric to measure a second thing that for whatever reason might be harder to measure, mm -hmm. you're going to get people who game the system and try yeah. to yeah. meet the metric without actually doing the underlying thing that you wanted them to do. Which um, normally I'm against as a teacher, but in this particular case, it's I think- no, well, not only is it inevitable, but they've brought it on themselves because the way that they've done this is by, as uh, Professor Andrunwa was saying, by basically putting the entire onus of it on the applicant. If you're going to put the entire weight 
of the job application on the person making it and not the person receiving it, they deserve to choose. They deserve to trick you mm-hmm. because you've put all of the work on their end and none on yours. Yeah. And, and this is a really clever bit of trickery that uh, one notes. She has heard stories of people inserting yes. common keywords in small white font on their PDF resumes, visible mm. only to bots to sneak into the next tier of candidates. That That's an old college trick for increasing ward count, too. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's pretty incredible. Man, that's devious. I never would have thought of that. It's very good. I'm – again, yes, like there's always going to be some people who game the system in this kind of way. But the thing is, there's a difference between the old way that you gained the system, which was you knew someone uh, who would oh, get you the job. that way still works. That Don't way worry. still works. It's just they've made it harder and harder to get to the levels mm-hmm. where you're going to be able to do that. Like fewer and fewer of us get mm-hmm. to access that. Mm-hmm. So now the new way you have to game the system is you have to get better at using their own technological tools against them. And again, if you're going to be a hiring manager and you're going to be lazy enough to turn to one of these companies so that you don't have to do your job, I'm sorry, you lost the right to complain <laughs> when people try to trick you. Because you're the one who decided, this. I, I'm not doing this work. I'm not going to do my job. They shouldn't have to do theirs either. And another thing that's interesting to me about these things is the layers of work that get put into the systems that th- there's like an ancillary or auxiliary level of work around the, the work itself. Now, to try to illustrate my point, this is from a Washington Post article. Uh, higher views, AI-driven assessments have become so pervasive in some industries, including hospitality and finance, that universities make special efforts to train students on how to look and speak for best results. More than 100 employers now use the system, including Hilton and Unilever, and more than a million job seekers have been analyzed. So now you have this secondary industry yep. of training people to meet the specific metrics that this AI is looking for. Yeah. Yeah, so there's tons and tons of people making money on this problem that didn't exist until they were like, hey, let's do this to make money. $49.95 a month. Hey, mm. baby. It's a good price. For doing a thing you can do with Microsoft Word and a couple <laughs> mouse clicks. Like, it's it's that level of laziness. Well, but, but to be fair, like, if you are a job seeker, you're trying to get an entry-level mm-hmm. position, you might have to s- apply to – hundreds of jobs True. to get any kind of nibble. Like you are not, you you cannot sit there and tailor every single resume to the specific wording on each job posting. Oh, That's way too much time. And some of us got to like work still. I completely, eat. no, I completely agree with that. I'm more aiming this at the fact that let me put it this way. For $49.95 a month, not only should you scramble words into the resumes that I submit to you, I better die. <laughs> you should have a job already to yes. afford. Like that, that should yeah. be number one. And number two, like you better guarantee me a job. Like yeah. that should be a lawsuit waiting to happen. And the fact that it isn't is like way number 2,639. We've proven on this program that this country does not make sense. Forty nine ninety nine a month. Like how long are you going to need to use this That's service? That's a cable payment if you're lucky. Yeah. Now, one of the stated reasons for using these AI systems, in addition to obviously reducing the labor of sorting through applications and such, is this idea that they will weed out the human bias, like like you mentioned mm-hmm. before. You know, people have these sure they will. unstated or other biases that uh, you know affect their decision making, and you know, there's something to the idea that you don't want a boss to have all the you know final say and authority over who gets hired and fired because they're going to hire people who look like them. Yes. Um, But one thing that's happening here is that this AI seems to be like hiring the people who already work there. Yep. Mm -hmm. Like quoting from the Washington Post again, to train the system on what to look for and tailor the test to a specific job, the employer's current workers filling the same job, the entire spectrum from high to low achievers, sit through the AI assessment, Larson said. Their responses, Larson said, are then matched with a benchmark of success from those workers' past job performance, like how well they had met their sales quotas and how quickly they had resolved customer calls. The best candidates, in other words, end up looking and sounding like the employees who had done well before the prospective hires had even applied. Lit. So it didn't change anything. Right. 
Well, the point is for a lot of these is not to change anything. They don't want to take any risk. Like they're trying to to automate the system so that they don't have to have any kind of uncertainty, which to me, again, is just going to, you know, psychologically, if I know that I've hired a stellar person because I have a stellar hiring AI, then I'm going to automatically probably rate that person's job performance higher because, well, the AI can't be wrong. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy. Are, this kind of thing. Are, are algorithms incapable of hiring good people? No. It's the hiring managers who are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the, the problem you're having here, it's exactly what Lou said. Um, I think I said some version of this before on here, but there's a perception that we all have, that we all share. We want to increase the amount of money we get, most of us anyway. I'm sure there's a few weirdos out there. But for the most part, we all want to increase the amount of money we get that's for sure. We want to decrease risk in our daily lives. And we understand it when a company takes actions in order to do that. The difference is that when one of us, I don't know, gambles away a third of our monthly salary on uh, you know, the ponies or mm -hmm. whatever it is, the difference between that and a corporation saying like, listen, I'm going to take a flyer on this candidate because they don't meet any of the traditional metrics, but I really like their interview. If Unless that person turns out to be responsible for like a massive embezzlement case, you're going to profit off that person. It's pretty much guaranteed. That's sure. how the entire system is set up. So there's actually zero risk in basically in the current process. All the all the extra algorithmic mathematical crap is doing is making it so you feel like you're not taking on any risk. In fact, if anything, uh, Ryan, you said a version of this on the last episode too. These algorithms have made taking away power from management bad because they've <laughs> mm -hmm. made it so you can't even get applicants in front of them. So the hiring manager can claim, well, listen – I can't judge what I can't see if I'm not seeing the applicants because the AI kicks them out of uh, off the platform before I even get to see them. That's on my fault. And meanwhile, the algorithm is sitting somewhere in Utah mm -hmm. with a bunch of people programming it with basically no accountability. The difference is that when it was a boss hiring people that looked like them, there was always the possibility of a personal backstop. Now that backstop is some dude that looks like all of your bosses. <laughs> And the thing that comes to mind for me is like this is going to create so much, so many more new anxieties about like th the already stressful process of getting a job because these tests do not tell applicants what they've done wrong or right. Mm -hmm. There's like no way they can't see their score and how well they did or why they scored poorly, and it creates people trying to game the system by. Uh, there was some anecdote about like taping googly eyes towards their webcam so that they would maintain eye contact throughout the video mm -hmm. interview with nobody on the other end. All this is just weird and inhuman in a way that's deeply unpleasant. Yeah, and it's pretty impressive that they've made to made the job search industry more inhuman and unpleasant. Which honestly, that early contender for a genius awards twenty twenty, frankly, yep, for sure. Because the thing is, this was always the case. I mean, the moment that we allowed the legalization of what's your biggest weakness as a job interview question, we kind of started down this road. Because the whole idea of job interviews or, or the way that they're structured, right, is to throw the candidate off their game, to try and make them nervous, to try and make them anxious. That's how it all works. That's what it's all designed to be. Because if you the, – the thinking goes, if you can't see how this person is under this kind of pressure, then you don't know whether they're going to succeed at whatever wi widget-making firm it is that you have. But the problem with that is that you're also not seeing who that person is going to be when they're at work, which is how we end up with so many workplaces where the people that succeed are people that everyone else in the workplace hates because they're great at you know landing the interview and sucking up to management and then actually terrible at, I don't know, acting like a human being towards everybody else and having any kind of solidarity. You can't, and this move towards trying to make it a more objective method of analysis is not gonna help with any of those things at all because it's just another way to make the company the benevolent dictator in your life. And there's this detail in this Washington Post article that it reads like overselling what the technology is capable of. Oh, uh, no, not that. Tech would <laughs> never do that. They never They're objective that. and scientific. Nathan Mondragon, Hire View's chief industrial Great organizational name. Does not psychologist. deserve that name. Uh, 
told the Post that the standard 30-minute uh, higher view assessment includes half a dozen questions, but can yield up to 500,000 data points, all of which become ingredients in the person's calculated score. The employer decides the written questions, which HireVue system then shows the candidate while recording and analyzing their responses. The AI assesses how a person's face moves to determine, for instance, how excited someone seems about a certain work task or how they would behave around angry customers. Those facial action units, Madrigan said, can make up 29% of a person's score. The words they say and the audio features of their voice, like their tone, make up the rest. What's that quote about, like, it only takes 37, fa it takes 37 facial action units to frown, but only four of them to smile or whatever? <laughs> but Those are, like facial action units are just called muscles. Yeah. Uh, this is, oh. Okay. That man does not deserve that good a name. I... I know that we had already been on the path of like monetizing and objectively measuring emotional labor at work and all of that fun jazz, but th this is on another level. 500,000 ingredients into your score? Are you kidding me? Also mixing metaphors real hard, like ingredients, calculation. That's not the same thing. No. Yeah. I think I think this psychologist dude is a robot himself. It's possible. And I I mean, at one at one point, they're just going to use like the character creator from RPGs to determine, like, to create the ideal employee, and everybody else will be analyzed against that. I I think one lesson of uh, recent events in the news is that you can have too much math in a process. You know, sometimes the simplest way to do things is to talk to people instead of relying on a robot to judge whether their cheek muscle. Yeah, but Ryan, <laughs> people are icky and I don't want to talk to them. I've got all this important HR webinars to attend. <laughs> um, after this break, we'll be back to talk about how these algorithms are impacting people once they get jobs. If. Great. You're listening to Punching Out on WAYOLP Rochester. If you'd like to continue slacking off, you can find all of our past episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. Remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are. Welcome back to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, joined still by Noah. Hi, hi. And Lou. Hey, guys. We talked in the first segment about these algorithms that are now dominating the hiring process at many major companies and entire industries. And now we want to talk about the ways in which algorithms and these weird applications of technology are now just dominating the working lives of people who already have jobs. Um, Lou, you shared with me a story from this past week uh, that's something... A, fr a friend of yours, I believe, who... Yes. So a friend of mine went out to Red Lobster for her birthday, and she was sitting there with her boyfriend, and they had a lovely meal, or as lovely as you can have. You there. did not tell me this part. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, and, and details just bring color to it. Um, <laughs> anyways, at the end of their, their meal, they were... Uh, you know, getting the check and everything, and the server came by and she said, "Oh, would you mind taking filling up the survey?" And they're like, "No, I, you know, it's fine. That's kind of weird that you would ask that, but okay." Uh, you know, but then she goes into this tale and she says, "Well, I really want you to fill this out the survey because if you don't, then and I don't meet my quota of survey surveys collected for this week, I won't get a schedule next week. They won't put me on the schedule to work." and Anybody who meets more than their quota or their quota, they get like preferential treatment in their serve or in their shifts next week. So uh, can you please take the survey? And my friend just looked really horrified. And she's like, uh, yeah, of course, of course, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then they gave the survey, rated her all fives or whatever, and then moved on with their lives. It was really weird. Great. I, I really don't like that we've moved to the uh, collection of data as a strategy for restaurants as well yes. as yeah. uh, just TV companies. Especially, like, if anything, not that anyone should be doing yeah. this, right? But if it was a restaurant that was kind of like a diner, you know, right. that was responsible to its local clientele, that might be one thing. Like, hey, did you particularly like any dish yeah. that you had, blah, blah, blah. But when it's Red Lobster... 
you're not going to change anything. Literally all you're doing is making somebody's life slightly easier or more likely much harder. Every time that a corporate office person visits and you're not like, ex you know, 100% on brand, the like docu points on your franchise oh, yeah. or whatever. It's no, the, it's, the Yelperization of, con of culture. Yeah. Rate your is, Uber driver five ugh. stars kind of thing There's, for, um, for restaurants. Like, there are a lot of issues with the tipping system, but we do already have a system in place where customers can uh, express their satisfaction with their servers, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, that seemed to be working fine for decades. And Yeah, but then the problem is they stopped being able, or rather, it, it became harder to skim off the tips and still live with yourself. So now they had to figure out a different way to abuse them. So that anecdote aside... It, there's a broader trend now of algorithms and these weird insertions of technology into places that probably don't need them that are making workers' lives more difficult. Um, there's a story this past week about a company called uh, Shipped with a T. Um, 1700s ass spelling. Uh, head <laughs> headline in Gizmodo. Every single person is losing money. Shipped is the latest gig platform to screw its workers. Uh, Shipped effectively is... Um, it's a grocery buying platform. Yeah. yeah. Uh, specifically, it is Target's app. They have some ownership over this app, and it, it's a rival with Instacart, which yeah. I think a lot more people will be familiar with. Uh, quoting from the article, unlike many gig work platforms, Shipped was transparent about pay and afforded its personal shoppers the chance to earn respectable wages. That came to a crashing halt last month, according to several shippers who spoke to Gizmodo, no. when the company rolled out an algorithmic model to a new batch of metro areas that they claim pays considerably less for their services. So... Who's shocked? Yeah, yeah. It, it's happened with with Grubhub and Postmates and and so DoorDash. many other places that, I mean, to to some extent, I'm a little surprised that people who work these kind of gig jobs don't see that kind of thing happening as just a function of how these apps work, because they're they're charging a fee for a service, and they're you know especially in a market system with lots of competitors and stuff. Uh, the people using these services and paying for these services want to get as cheap a thing as possible. And so they're going to get, give you less money to do it, to, to do that service. Like this is well, inherent in how the thing works. And, and the thing is that all of these apps are always, always, always funded with massive amounts of venture capital money. And what are you going to do once that money starts running out? Like I'm betting you right now that the amount of money Target is injecting into its shipped subsidiary is not as much as the amount of money they had financed at first. Mm -hmm. And when you have less money on the books, there are there's only a couple things that you're going to do with it if you're the typical capitalist, and the one you're going to go to first is try to cut your labor costs somehow. Yep. But in this case, the labor's the point of the company. So the only way you can do it is by paying them less. Right. I will say the way that Shipped went around doing this is the most disgusting thing I think I've ever heard of. But anyways, continue, It was Ryan. some real Shipped. Um, Ugh. Noah. According to weekly earnings reviewed by Gizmodo, one shipter earned over $530 the week prior to the change. The following week, her net income fell by over $150 despite her completing the exact same number of orders. Shipped also generates a report of average earnings per order, and those two plummeted nearly $7 each. Quote, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what I would have made with the previous pay scale versus what I made now, a shifter said. I lost on every single order. Redmond contended that these numbers may be even rosier than others. They basically cut our pay by 40, 50 percent, she said. It, it probably does take a rocket scientist, though, to figure out <laughs> why you lost that money. Like it would take it, it probably takes like the, the team from Hidden Figures or something. Oh, well, weeks of sitting around and, and popping open that algorithm. Shipped is unusual in that it's it's actually really transparent in how it pays people. Well, and it used to be. Yeah, yeah, which is weird because as a company, they are extremely harsh uh, towards any kind of dissent or dissent or uh, even the, the barest hint of complaining. They oh, will cut you off. There are a lot of details in this Gozmodo article about, uh, you know, people using the shipped message board and being like 
punished for their complaints. Um, How dare you, know, you e- use expressly this. told that you know we don't like complaints on here. You know, leave your venting to a minimum. Uh, venting is for your friends, not for this how dare workplace. You, how dare you use this message board for the thing that a message board exists to be used <laughs> for? And the, the article notes that this new algorithm was put in place in uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan, but not in Grand Rapids, which is only 45 minutes away. So uh, even without the new pay cut in place, the economics of driving 45 minutes each way don't add up. This, unfortunately, is according to shoppers who have apparently attempted this gambit and found the results lacking. So people are trying to game this system by just going to a place where the algorithm isn't working. See, this puts paid to the whole no- – uh, uh, so you know those like Fiverr commercials like yep. your lunch is coffee and you mm-hmm. get like 2.5 hours That's of sleep not, a night. We, and we've referenced this, this whole thing about right? 10 times yes. on the show. But this puts paid – to any notion that that ad describes any real people because ultimately the way that these companies treat their employees is by creating a way in which that is no longer profitable for them because you can't t- you can't say that shifters <laughs> didn't do what they could to figure out a way to live with the new pay cut with the new plate of crap that the company handed them, basically. You can't say that they didn't do their best to figure out a way to still make some kind of a living wage out of it. But the company made it impossible. And you just know that there was some dude with an applied math degree sitting at shipped headquarters, ensuring, you know, drawing the circle exactly right, like at the point where it was no longer a good idea to do that. And... A lot of the workers for Shipped uh, allege that things went downhill when Target bought the company in 2017. Award? No way. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, quote, gullingly, two Shipters alleged that at the company's annual Beyond conference, no. um, Kelly Caruso, shipped. who was the former SVP for uh, Target, senior vice president, I hope that stands for uh, <laughs> shipped vice president she took the stage to proclaim that shopper pay would remain the same they had the new ceo kelly caruso get up there and speak and she told us that at that conference that her pay would not be changed one of the shoppers said shipped contends that the remark was more specific that shoppers would continue to retain 100 of tips and the company will never change that it will that is a lie though there appear to be no publicly available recordings of her speech we well, of course, course not um you can't expect executives to be responsible for what they say. And that bit about earning 100% of tips is notable because a competitor, DoorDash, does not do that. The tips for DoorDash, for a while at least, have gone towards subsidizing their base pay. And when you tip someone, that money can go directly to the company. Mm-hmm. Oh, Because oh, cool. they're guaranteed a certain price per order. So if you buy Are something you for... Five dollars and tip two dollars, they might get six fifty, but that last fifty cents of your tip will go. It it must be so nice to just sit there and get money for doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Yes, for doing no work. That's why tech is hot. Yeah, well, and especially because, as everyone in this room knows, and as I'm guessing a majority of our listeners know, if you try to get any, if if any of these apps doesn't work. If there's an outage, if you need tech support, you can't find anyone to talk to. They're all too busy, presumably, diving into the piles of money they've made off of the backs of their employees. So, I mean, what's that going to matter anyway? Tangential anecdote. Ooh. <laughs> Another one. Uh, I was working retail one time at a like mall kiosk type thing that had a parent company, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and one time for Black Friday, they said, hey, all right, Black Friday weekend, if you guys meet your sales goals or like surpass them by a certain amount, we'll give you like each some kind of bonus. And it was a really big bonus. It was like $100 per person that worked at the the kiosk, which was pretty significant. And so we all were like, yeah, yeah, did it. And then we all did really well on our sales goals. And then that email mysteriously disappeared. And the CEO was like, great job, guys. Uh, here's your $25 per person that we promised you. And we we're like, are you kidding me? And then they uh, compromised. They're like, you're right. We, we said we'd give you 75. Here's your 75. It was real gross. Mm. 
fun. It was fun, yeah. Uh, I wonder that, what the exact income level it is where you're allowed to just lie open facedly. Um, apparently, anybody who owns a company can just do that. Yes. And as long as there's like no uh, paper trail, you're free to do it. I think apparently. you have to have president in the title somewhere. <laughs> Um, and Shipt is, you know, the newest of these companies to be in the news, but it's not unique in this sense. Uh, quoting from the article, same thing happened with every gig delivery service I've tried. Instacart, DoorDash, Uber Eats, Postmates, and guess what? I've left each one for the next. A user identified as James said on a forum frequented by Shipt shoppers. The reply was to the most commented topic in the site's history, titled, Do Not Implement New Pay Scale Nationwide. The the fact that the forum is not named Shipped Shape is uh, fairly <laughs> surprising. Uh, quoting again from this forum post, uh, when I started DoorDash years ago, the pay averaged $10 per delivery. Today, those same deliveries, they pay 2 to $4, he wrote. It's as if there's a playbook somewhere out there that they all follow. There is. Yes. There's no way, There, there's no other playbook for companies like this. Whether it's Uber, whether it's driving or delivering or whatever the heck else it is, there is no way to get around the fact that you are creating a company that is a giant Ponzi scheme. Except it's like weirdly aimed, like the triangle is aimed upward somehow. I don't <laughs> understand that part of it. <laughs> One more quote from this article. Uh, Last week, they hyped us up. They kept saying they had a big announcement for us, Redmond said. The big announcement, as it turns out, was a corporate rebranding. They went from a spaceship to, it almost looks like the Instacart logo. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Please tell me you're going to the next article. And they also, uh, one thing I do want to note, apparently shippers in the same area refer to each other as shipped mates. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. So are we going- I'm just stressed. Ryan, didn't you tell me there was a bit here that I had not yet seen? Is this about shipped as well? Yes. Yes. Should we drop it now? Yes. Hang on. All right. Here we go. Let me get my bio levels properly calibrated here. Yeah. Yes. Long-time listeners might be familiar with this bit we do where <laughs> I read an article and Noah gets mad. Now, now, it's not a bit. I'm really mad. <laughs> now, let me just preface this bit from a, a, an article in Vice by saying, this one made me mad. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, workers say shipped customers often live in gated and upscale communities and that the app encourages workers to tack on gifts like thank you cards hot cocoa, flowers, and balloons onto orders, paid for out of their own pocket, and to offer to walk customers' dogs and take out their trash as a courtesy. I have never been this close to swearing on air before. (laughs) This is absurd. This is... Ah! I told you, I I done told you that it was the grossest thing I had ever heard of. I told you I was right. I, I, it's bad. Why are you affecting an accent? It's not helping. What happens? Uh, it's bad. It's bad. Gets worse. It does. Wait, wait. There's more. Mm-hmm. But wait. Chip calls this kind of service quote bringing the magic, which can improve <laughs> workers' ratings from customers that factor into the algorithm that determines who gets offered the most lucrative orders. S- somehow that actually made me less mad, and I don't know <laughs> if it's. I don't know if it's because they need to lie to their employees about what this is. But I mean, <laughs> well, longtime listeners will also be familiar with my bit about saying that corporations are just feudalist. And yep. well, there it freaking is. This is this is paying your lord for using the mill yep. that they have nothing to do with and you do all the work at. That's what it is. It, it's it's literally these people already have all the money and the power. You should give them more of your money in gift form because they're human beings too. The the unique part about this is that it's the customers who you're giving more money to mm-hmm. instead of just yeah. your bosses. Who well, live is- in gated <sighs> communities. Like that that needs to be emphasized more. These are people with money coming out their butts that they can just pay people to go do their shopping for them so that they can, I don't know, go to- Sit around all day. Sit around all day, do whatever yoga. rich people do. I Yeah, more yoga, cool. So these are rich people who have all of the money and you're saying, here's a gift for you, my lord. Here's tis for you. Ugh. It's it is the degree to which we make 
regular people dehumanize themselves. Because it's also, you know what? You know what makes it almost worse? I was going to say that this was the equivalent of a company asking you to donate part of your salary into its charitable foundation or whatever the <laughs> hell because it's supposed to be a win-win uh, because to, you to get its, a tax write-off. Uh, employee food drive. Yes, <laughs> as we said in the case of Walmart. Mm -hmm. uh, or if your company is a nonprofit, that's kind of particularly disgusting. But this is worse because there's no expectation of advancement or mobility from it. It's literally, you're just supposed to do it because they're being nice enough to pay you for anything. The only present these people deserve, I can't say on air. Can I make it a little bit worse? Why? Try. Sure, okay. So I was, read, I was instructed to read a book last year by, at my job. Dangerous. Um, I don't remember who wrote it, but the book was called The Power of Moments. And <laughs> it was pretty great. Uh, I did not finish the book, sadly. but um, Not it, enough powerful moments in it. It did not have enough powerful moments. And also, I had way too many moments to go. Um, whatever. The point is, it part of the whole first chunk of the book is talking about making, quote unquote, moments for your customers, guests, whatever. Oh, yeah, they do this to teachers, in, too. Yeah, in, in, yeah, especially in the service industry. And they say, like, oh, uh, this uh, one... Millennials love experiences. Millennials love experiences. It's so great. Short um, attention span. And they talk about companies that empower their workers to, like, give a free coffee to to somebody. Just, like, you get five free coffees that you get to give away a day and have at it because it makes that special moment. So this company is incentivizing these special moments that other people in the industry have already started doing to make their service, whatever, their company more memorable to guests. But they're doing it in the worst possible way in that they're making the people that are already doing the labor that you're making the money off of do the gifting and say, oh, yeah, buy that. I almost said a bad word. Uh, balloons. Um, buy that ship, perhaps. <laughs> buy that sh yeah. Buy that person uh, some balloons because it'll make them feel special and they'll be more likely to do that. That's the grossest <laughs> thing. It's awful. But that's the thing. The people that the people that are uh, that you're buying these gifts for are like, frankly, emotionally and mentally stunted by their wealth. <laughs> they are children. Yes. They are infantilized by the money and the power that they have. And as a result, yeah, unfortunately, somehow, I don't know how we're getting to this point as a society, but yeah, you have to buy them balloons because that's what they'll appreciate. Yeah. It, it, like one of these days, you're just going to have to, as a as, as one of these gig workers, you're going to have to show up in your Uber with a new puppy for the person you're driving around. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's that level of... Yeah, it's that level of infantilization because we're supposed to believe that these mass 72-point air quotes, masters of the universe, uh, deserve the money and the power that they have because they're so much better than the rest of us, when in actuality, they're all a bunch of nine-year-olds who have never been told no. Yeah, it's and the fact that this is everywhere, that this is an industry, not just industry, this is a, a widespread problem across multiple industries to try to eke out a little bit more money than the the competitor. This is eke out whatever. Stop doing this to me. <laughs> so mean. Um, eke out a little more money from the competitor. You're setting up expectations where all these rich people, they just – their butts are already kissed all day long and this is all you're doing is just – you know, making law the butt kissing that we already do. Ryan, can we please swear just once? <laughs> please. I don't think the FCC will. Uh, no, you can bleep it out later. We know this. <laughs> this is fun. It can't be that difficult. Uh, this is fun. Any? any it is. Good, oh, it is so not. Good. So many good. Any I hate good everything I have heard in the last ten minutes of my life. <laughs> we we should end this segment. Before <laughs> Noah gets into a worse mental state, um, before not possible. We'll we'll be back after this break and try to uh, look at the positives. Sure, sure. You're listening to Punching Out on Wayo 104.3. You can subscribe to the show or listen to past episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, and other podcast apps. We are also on Facebook and Twitter at Punching Out Wayo. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, joined still by Noah. 
and Lou. Hey guys. The reason Noah is so mad is that we spent the first 45 minutes of this show talking about- Making me mad. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about the ways algorithms are used to make workers' lives worse. Uh, Specifically, we talked about uh, the story about a company called Shipped, which has changed its pay formula into one based on an algorithm that is entirely opaque to workers and surprisingly pays them less. Real shock. I I can't believe- I can't believe anyone, uh, no one had thought of this one before or since. I, I literally said at the beginning of that segment is that it's surprising that nobody saw that coming because it's happened in every single app that's in the gig economy is that they lure people and they hire a bunch of people because the, the pay is great. And then as soon as they meet whatever internal like maximum capacity they think is there, they slash prices. Or they slash wages. And they, it happens over and over and over again. It's it's inherent to how that industry functions. Um, I, I made reference to this, uh, to DoorDash and its unique policy about pay and tipping in the last segment. But one thing I had forgotten about is that after Backlash, DoorDash actually changed its policy. Uh, this article is from last July. It's in The Verge. Food delivery company DoorDash has said it's reevaluating how it pays workers after outcry over the company's policy of using customer t- tips to subsidize base pay. In a series of tweets, DoorDash CEO Tony Zhu said it had become clear from recent feedback that the company's re- c- policies weren't popular. Under DoorDash's <laughs> current system, tips left by customers via the company's app are used to make up the minimum payment that DoorDash promises its workers. Many customers said they felt tricked by the policy and had assumed that tips went directly to workers, not to help DoorDash's bottom line. Because that's how tips are supposed to work. That's and, how but, everybody expects it. To yeah. Work. So, of course, they figured out a way to make that suck, too. Well, tech is innovative, and they are always defying your expectations. Yeah. And... I, <sighs> The reason DoorDash made this change is because they had received backlash from, you know, the people who work for them, who they call dashers, but we do not have to. We're not doing that. That That is a, what is it, the visit from St. Nick <laughs> is what that is. Um, so you said that article was from July? Yeah. So what DoorDash did after the DoorDash backlash uh, was in December 2019, article from Gizmodo, they... <laughs> Oh, God. Um, <clears throat> you can do this. So they they informed their drivers that now they're going to start only showing them the minimum earnings for each delivery rather than the total earnings. Because after they were forced to change uh, that system, drivers were able for a while to you know continue doing what they were doing, which is that they would accept higher paying orders mm-hmm. that had a higher percentage of tips that meant you know actual money in their pocket right. rather than just paying for the gas they were using to drive back and forth. So basically, this is once again going to create a, an information asymmetry between DoorDash headquarters and DoorDash employees, which is what they wanted to do with the earlier system all along. And, and that asymmetry is common to these all these gig apps. You know, it's the company knows how the pay rate gets apportioned out, but the employees often do not, and that's to their detriment only. Yeah, because if they did, then, you know, if if anybody knew what any of these algorithms were, I mean, you would look like the worst human being imaginable being in charge of one of these companies. And, like, executives know that we view them that way, but the difference is on whether they can sleep on their incredibly nice pillows at night uh, knowing that about themselves. And this kind of information asymmetry ensures that nobody can actually yell at them objectively about that. But – this is a third segment. We're supposed to be posy. So at least hate, one of these companies, that. at least one of these <laughs> companies was for some time stopped from making things worse for its employees. Another positive thing is that a Instacart also stopped that policy in 2019, in February of that year. Uh, so this had been the policy of using tips towards base pay had been commonplace across the gig economy but was changed via backlash. And what that shows and what I'm trying to – the point I'm trying to make by sharing these stories is that these things aren't set in stone. Workers who do these jobs, shippers in theory (laughs) – 
I'm just <laughs> saying that to make Noah mad. Well, uh, it is fun. Ha- Not have, having to work that hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. They have some sort of power in their hands still because ultimately these companies need them to be willing to work for them. Yeah, Kelly Caruso is not going to get out there and fill shipped orders and walk customers as dogs and whatever, you know? (laughs) That's not going to happen. The permanent staff of any of these things is like numbers in like the low double digits. So that's the whole point. Otherwise, these apps could not exist or they wouldn't be profitable at any rate. And they often aren't, as we know now. So, uh, shut up. I corrected myself (laughs) immediately. So. Double standard. The thing that you have to kind of look at, right, is we on this show have been very clear about the fact that we hate a lot of the uses of technology Mm -hmm. in the modern workplace. But we should be clear that the reason we hate them uh, so that we don't look like a bunch of boomers, um, is not because it's technology or because it's it's in any way uh, something modern that we don't understand. First of all, we're all digital natives in the room, or so I'm told. But the difference is that it, it the reason we hate it is because it makes the lives of working people worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've said before on this show, we've said several times on this show, technology and automation have the potential to enhance everybody's lives and by decreasing the amount of work that we have to do so that, you know, eventually we can eliminate work. But every time these guys use it, it makes the lives of workers worse. There's, I think there's a temptation to think of algorithms, to think of technological application. And this is a point, Ryan, that you made on the Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode. They they present it as something that's apolitical, non-ideological, objective. This algorithm came to us in a golden tablet. <laughs> yes, two golden tablets, in fact, yeah. Um, printed on with a laser. <laughs> laser printer, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the, the thing about it, though, is that that belies the question the moment you talk to the person who actually thought it was a good idea to create whatever black box algorithm this is you very quickly find out that no there is a hundred percent an ideology behind this we already think of technology as separate from labor from the employee and the employer in a way that is actually very unhealthy we think of it as something that can't affect that relationship that is completely... It's a neutral party. Yes. And we need to start thinking of it as something that employers are using to help themselves. It is a tool that has been placed into our under the control of employers. Yeah. Yes. And and one thing you you said is uh, you talked about the people making these algorithms. I, I think there's something to be said that the people actually like writing the code for these algorithms probably are not the ones benefiting from them. You know, That's there's also true. actual human labor that goes true. into that sort of math and you know finding you know the right the right formula to squeeze you know another cent out of each worker's order mm-hmm. or what true. have you. And so there's something to be said for the workers who are doing that probably knowing the impact they're having, but it, it can be changed. You know, it's mm-hmm. not something that is natural or automatic. Well, I, I was going to say, like, concretely, I have two two ways that we can, you know, make this kind of system automatically better. One is we need to make all pay completely transparent. So shipped when it began was transparent in the pay and people knew exactly what they're doing. Um all pay needs to be transparent. Like when you work at a regular job in New York State, you sign a form that says this is your wage, this is your overtime rate if you get or qualify for overtime. That should be standard across any kind of work. If you get paid for labor, you need to know exactly what it is. If it's based on a formula, what is that formula? Does it account uh, for um, skullduggery like, oh, did you buy your guy some, some nice cocoa there? Uh, that needs to be readily apparent to everybody involved. And it's not currently, and that's detrimental to the people working. It's definitely that asymmetry you were talking about is beneficial to the employer and hurts the and worker. What makes you know these companies like Shipped and DoorDash possible is it's part of a broader gig economy that we've talked about in past episodes, but haven't really dug into today. You know, it's these are all independent contractors. They yeah. do they are not employees who would be expected to have a you know, standardized wage. Possibly right. th- the most pernicious legal fiction yeah. of the current era. Yeah. The, s- the second thing that we need to do is we as a, c- uh, as a country need to completely eliminate tipped work. 
tips and tipped work because it's pretty barbaric that the person, the company that's making money off somebody's labor has tricked us all into paying that, that person directly instead of that money coming from the employer. Um, that's pretty, pretty messed up as a practice. And we've kind of all accepted it, internalized it, and that's just the way things are. And but many states, of course, have a lower minimum wage for tipped employees including under the New assumption that tips will make up the difference. Yeah, including New York State. Um, and it's pretty messed up that that's the case. And then in general, like the third thing I would say that we need to do as far as automation in general is – just kind of goes back to the first one is we need to be really transparent about every aspect of labor. Well, ideally it would be under worker control. It would not be the bosses who do not do these jobs, who are not taking out customers' dogs, as Noah said, to, uh, you know, set the rules. It has to be people who know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Know the human impact of it. it. It's boring to draw from the same well again, but if we could understand that these technological tools, that there is a hand, you know, implementing them, there are actual people who are saying, this seems like a good idea. I should do this at my company, blah, blah, blah. Though, even if the algorithm itself, quote unquote, has no ideology, those people do. Yeah. And the fact that all of this technology is in their control means that it is going to be used for their ideological ends. And those ideological ends are antithetical to A, working people, and to be any kind of sane labor policy. Yeah. That's a good and correct way to end this show. <laughs> for this week, I'm Ryan. I'm Noah. And I'm Lou. This is Punching Out. You've been listening to Punching Out. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Punching Out Wayo. Email us your work stories, complaints, and struggles to punchingoutwayo at gmail.com. Punching Out is a project of the Punching Out Collective. Our producer is Ryan Brister. Music for Punching Out is provided by Ariel Cruz. Tune in next week for more Punching Out. And remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are.